Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. Um, as I've been doing probably for the last six to nine months, I'm going to start out this episode with not just one word, um, but with three. First one will be essential. Second phrase would be not sexy. And the third would be inevitable. And the topic we're going to be talking today is about data. I've been on this journey for probably 22 years. It was kind of in the beginning stages of, um, of the data standards conversation. Realcom 2001, Mike Anderson and I, a couple of the people in the room talking about data standards. Nobody was in the room. Nobody was in the room. So this was not a topic people wanted to talk about 22 years ago. So you fast forward, and, and this organization called Oscar comes along and says it's important for data. Uh, especially in a world like real estate transactions, to, um, to have some kind of a standard set, some standard rules. In other words, we're going to say street, we're going to say ST, we're going to say STR, we're going to say road, avenue. That's a very, very basic example. And when you think about all the different descriptors find in the real estate environment of all the transactions, if you start mixing and matching, you know, transferring data from one system to another is impossible. So why do we want to transfer data from one system to another? Because we don't want redundant data. We want data to be able to, to talk to each other, to create relationships with each other, to tell stories. And, and if each system has got its own set of, of structure, imagine an accounting firm or a lease administration system, um, we can't talk or, or download new Excel and rekeying into other systems. So the Oscar journey is one that everybody should be paying attention to. Uh, Lisa Stanley, who's the CEO of Oscar, is going to be joining us today, along with Adam Hastings, the Chief Data Officer at Client. Um, in fact, let's bring the let's bring them on. We'll continue this conversation. Hello, everybody. How are you? It's great right. to be here, Jim. Good to have you. And, and and Lisa, I don't know how many years have you been on this journey? Ten years with Oscar. Adam, how about you? I have been on this journey actually around the same amount of time here at Heinz, 10 wow. years in kind of our data centralization efforts. Okay. So, so, so you've got scars, <laughs> you've had sleepless <laughs> nights, you've beaten your head with a hammer a few times saying, why don't they get it? Uh, right. <laughs> um, and I, I often used to use the analogy of an automobile. Can you imagine if we didn't have standards in the automobile industry and we had square tires and we had round tires and we had triangular tires? I mean, you know, uh, or two by fours, two by sevens, two by elevens. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, we have to have some structure in a world where you're trying to scale things, right? So before we get started, Lisa, why don't you give a little bit of your background and how you got into the data standards journey, uh, and then maybe a little history of the last 10 years of your role at Oscar? Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, I've, I've been in this industry called real estate for just about my whole career, working in a variety of different roles. Um, Non-performing assets, everybody remembers those from the, the 80s. Um, property management, working on the association side, in a lot of different roles that brought me to the conclusion of how important standards were. In the case of how the industry has evolved, the lack of standards has been a challenge. And as we look at where Oscar is today, um, Adam and I share a, a similar longevity in terms of our roles here. Um, we're fully vested, I think is a good way to describe it, in pursuing the importance of data standardization for this industry, not just within Oscar, but really throughout the entire industry, bringing together that collaborative approach that only a consortium can accomplish. 
And you have to be patient, right? I mean, in this in this world, because the the battles are fought long and hard, and then sometimes the victories are small, and you just have to take those victories and keep moving on. I mean, it's it's not not an easy job. You're absolutely right. Tenacity is certainly something that I aspire to. I can't say that I'm always successful. Well, ten years fighting the Oscar battle. I mean, that that's a testimony to itself. I mean, you know, you know, people would get tired sometimes of the of the relentless time, energy, and effort that has to go into it. And and sometimes you don't get the recognition or the credit that you need. And then when all of a sudden it happens, it's going to go, wow, this is great. You know? And, well, and- it was people like you, Jim Young, who actually <laughs> conceived the kernel that became the seeds of Oscar in the very beginning, longer than 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like I said, we, we were talking about it at a time when, you know, nobody was talking about it. And I, I actually think, you know, going back to, that 2001 timeframe, I just kept looking at FinTech, you know, and, and what it took for me to go on E-Trade and make a stock trade and how they had aggregated, you know, 15, 20, 30 different systems, retail systems, hotel, uh, uh, wholesale systems, government systems into this little screen that allowed me to buy a share of stock. And then it just automatically went and did. I said, they have data standards. Why shouldn't we? Our transactions are equally, if not more complex. Right. And so that's where I got bit. And, uh, and here we are 22 years later. <laughs> uh, Adam, how about you? How about your journey? How did you get here? Yeah. Uh, so I've been in the real estate industry coming on just about 20 years now. And for the first half of my career or so, I was in a kind of a consulting capacity, uh, mostly on the, in the research space. So using you know, third-party economic and, and uh, real estate market data to you know, do forecasting on values and rents and, and, and those sorts of things. And I, I came onto the um, investment side at Heinz when Heinz decided to bring the research function internal um, and, and really start up an internal proprietary research group. And initially, my mandate was was very similar to what I had done previously, um, really, you know, kind of building a uh, research framework uh, to analyze all of the different markets that Heinz was active in around the world in a consistent way from a centralized uh, research team. Mm. And so we built out this this, uh, kind of analytical framework, uh, which was kind of adopted into all of our IC processes and really just pushed down throughout our uh, investment management business. And then after we had that framework, pretty well established, you know, I started to ask some questions like, well, you know, we can create forecasts all day long, but, you know, how does anything that we're doing here on the research side, you know, relate to our own internal investment experience, right? And so at that time, about 10 years ago, there there really was no centralized repository of really much financial and certainly no operational data uh, for the Heinz Global Portfolio. All of our data really lived in silos across our our local uh, kind of business units. So, the journey that I've been on from there uh, is all about developing kind of the business processes and, and um, kind of data flows to centralize all of that, um, all of that information. So we have, you know, built um, a whole data and analytics team uh, that I lead, um, and we have developed business processes to really get that data from our properties. And you know, we are a very large privately held. Uh, company with, that owns real estate in 28 countries across you know every asset type you can possibly think of, both on the acquisition and development side, and across various funds and separate accounts and one-off joint ventures. So we just have a very complicated portfolio and kind of you know figuring out the jigsaw puzzle of how to get uh, this data from our properties into our our centralized data warehouse has uh, has been my well, my no, life for the last decade. Not many people more recognizable than Heinz. Uh, yeah. Reputation top of the top of the charts. 
So Lisa, what you do is you aggregate a lot of smart people like Adam from other organizations, right? To be your brain trust, to help move these data standards. And they've obviously communicated to you that there is a, they have a vested interest in this happening and, and you get that momentum going. So can you give us just, and uh, we've talked about it already, but just give a little 30 second pitch on what is Oscar? What does it stand for? What does it mean? Oscar is an international, some may say, global nonprofit member organization of companies like Heinz that have agreed to come together to focus on the development and support of implementation of real estate data standards. So it includes investment managers, corporate owners and occupiers, and what we call the external business partners that work with them, software developers, consultancy firms, and service providers. So what we have in terms of looking at our focus is to focus on the common ground, not where the differences are, because certainly there are nuances or differences between the organizations, but to figure out how collectively and collaboratively that brain trust, as you referred to, comes together to help the industry move forward in a much more effective and productive way than what has been the case in the past in the absence of standards. Uh, Adam, I'll, when you were talking, all I could think was spreadsheets have been our friend and our foe. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah. and when I think of, of Lisa's journey and Oscar and all the, the Excel spreadsheet extractions and, and you know, wondering what would the world be like if we really did have a, a live, real-time, integrated information architecture across companies and, and, and vendors, where the data flowed freely, I mean, the time, energy, effort, and insight would be extraordinary. Absolutely. I mean, Excel provides so much flexibility, but in terms of data governance and scalability, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Every property manager, every asset manager, yeah. every they've all yeah. got their own idea on how the data should be exactly. used. Exactly. Yeah. So, so Lisa, over the years, Oscar has, has gained different periods of momentum when different topics came in that touched Oscar, right? Um, most recently, ESG is obviously making a lot of headlines, as we talked earlier. We're leaving the carrot phase and we're now entering the stick phase. Lots of stuff coming to, to coerce, force folks into uh, changing their habits, right? So you've got a program called the Environmental Data Standards Project. I kind of uh, nicknamed it EDSP. Um, can you give a little background, both you and Adam, on, on what that is and what does that mean for the industry? I'd be happy to. It is our current um, data standards project. It was born out of a meeting that occurred in the third week of September last year in New York City as part of Oscar's Council of 100. And it's to address the need that organizations have to collect, to analyze, and report environmental data. These are some of the organizations that are actively participating in the project. I'm sure there's a lot of well-known uh, companies here, CBRE, Brookfield, certainly Heinz, um, looking at other organizations like Yardi and MRI who are participating in the service provider space as well, Cushman Wakefield and JLL. And in the uh, consultancy side, EY, Lion Point. I think it's important to note that there are a lot of industry leaders that have committed their time and expertise for these meetings in the development phase now that are happening every two weeks. And then there's also other member-based associations like IFMA, Cornet Global, and Connects FM 
that have committed to have participants from their respective organizations participate in this project as well. So it's really, I think, as you look at it, probably one of the best examples of collaboration, uh, certainly that I've seen since I've been at Oscar, but also from a standpoint of concentrating on that common ground, not getting bogged down with pointing out where the differences are and getting from third week in September to where we are today in the development phase for an association and for the real estate industry in general is just about warp speed. And you have an architecture framework slide as well. Um, can you explain that one a little bit? Absolutely. So as you look at this, a lot of people will say, well, there, there are certainly other standards organizations out there, and there's no question that there are. One of the challenges has been, as you look at these other sources, whether it's a benchmarking platform like Grez, whether you're looking at Beads or Haystack or Brick or others, it's analyzing what currently exists, pulling out the relevant data set that can be included in Oscar's industry data model and evaluated by the people that are actively working on this project to figure out how we can create a much more comprehensive and probably cohesive approach as well. We're looking at seven new use cases to extend the existing 140 plus use cases that already exist in the Oscar data model. So Adam, I mean, you've been in data for a good part of your career. Why is Oscar poised to deal with this issue right now? And, and I mean, why are they in, in the perfect place at the perfect time? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we believe at Heinz that, you know, in order to hold ourselves accountable for, you know, reducing carbon, our carbon footprint, you know, you need the data to prove it, right? And at the same time, you know, we're seeing, you know, not only for our own internal needs, but we're seeing our investor partners and our occupiers wanting access to that same data. And you know, some of those uh, same folks are involved in the data standards project. So, you know, there's there's really this just this unique momentum here to really build these standards from scratch in an open and transparent way, more than I've ever seen for any sort of you know data um, kind of collection effort across the real estate industry in my time in the industry it's it's really it's really amazing how transparent and collaborative all of these various industry leaders are being and we think just working together like this puts us all at a competitive advantage and really can drive the industry forward uh, with these standards yeah there, there's an old saying i forgot exactly how it goes but you know boy these people are lucky they're in the right place at the right time and i said it's the 20 years of hard work that lead up to that moment in time that make them lucky right i mean uh, it, Oscar has been just nonstop steadfast in its pushing of, of the importance of standards. And now that, like I said, the carrot's leaving and the stick is coming, who better to tackle this problem than Oscar? So, um, all right, why don't we take a brief break here from one of our sponsors uh, and we'll be right back and we're going to get more into the details of um, what Oscar is going to be talking about at the conference and, and what their goals and objectives are, you know, in the, in the near future. All right. Um, so, uh, we've we've talked a little bit about Oscar, but Adam, while I've got you here, I mean, Heinz, as I mentioned earlier, a notable large international company with the vision and the resources to kind of focus on the ESG, the E part of, you know, the ESG um, movement. Can you give us a, a couple specific things that Heinz is doing on its own uh, mm -hmm. in, relationship, in relation to this topic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe I'll start with saying just you know, the concept of sustainability and operational efficiency and reducing utility consumption has really always been part of our DNA of our property management teams and engineering teams around the world. So, 
in one respect, this is not really that new for Heinz. Um, I think what is new is kind of the recognition within the industry that, you know, we contribute a large share of the greenhouse gas emissions. And it's a core responsibility of our industry to, you know, reduce our carbon footprint in anticipation of this regulatory uh, requirements that we know are going to be coming. Uh, with respect to Heinz's initiatives, we have a lot <laughs> going on uh, within the organization. So, you know, I think most importantly, we have publicly stated uh, that uh, we uh, intend to be net zero operational carbon by 2040. And so that's a huge and aggressive goal, more aggressive than kind of the Paris, uh, you know, climate accord uh, targets. And so, you know, in order to get there, uh, what we have to do is, you know, get the data <laughs> and we have to really make some substantial or we have made some substantial organizational changes as well to allow us, uh, we think, to kind of, um, you know, push the, uh, the data journey uh, forward in a faster way. So from an organizational perspective, I would say there's three main things that we've done. First is we've created an entirely new uh, business unit um, geared toward ESG uh, investing, really ensuring that the environmental and social factors are taken into account during the due diligence um, process and when underwriting a project. Um, the head of this business unit is a voting member on our investment committee. So it's, that's mm -hmm. another way to really that's make sure that um, yeah. those factors are really focused on. So that, that's, um, that's a big change here. Um, that unit is actually further broken down into our global ESG team, which helps to set our overall firm ESG strategy, as well as our global venture lab, um, which is really looking to, you know, build internally in some instances and then in others, uh, partner uh, or invest in ventures that are focused on, you know, carbon reduction and sustainability efforts. Uh, the second thing I would say is we've formed an internal carbon strategy team led by our SVP of carbon strategy. And we think we're actually the first uh, firm in the industry to name a uh, head of carbon strategy. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. And that group, their focus is specifically on really developing the playbook um, by which we operationalize and execute on our carbon reduction goals at a building level. And then finally, um, where my team and, and myself come into the mix is we've created what we call our global digital strategy office, which is comprised of three kind of separate teams, but very interrelated teams. So there's my group, the data and analytics team, our information technology IT team, and then our business process group. And so it's the global digital strategy office partnered with that ESG group and carbon strategy team um, that are all working very much in lockstep to help kind of establish the processes by which we measure our operational carbon footprint and then also determine the best tools and technologies that we can implement across our portfolio to you know really monitor and measure our progress toward our carbon reduction goals yeah and and for a guy who's been following this stuff for a long time in a lot of different phases of technology that organizational realignment in my opinion is the key yeah. no more silos we, we see it we see the prize we can't do our own thing. We have to talk. We have to meet. We have to integrate. And I think that will ultimately prove to be your key to success is the fact that you've you've recognized that and you've made organizational changes to address it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. So as we wind down, um, and we already touched on this a little bit, but I'm going to ask it one more time, Lise. Uh, what is why is this time different? I mean, I've, I've, I've this is my I say my third rodeo on E, obviously, <laughs> on the energy side. Um, I've written articles over the years and I mean, you know, I, I'm guess I'm a little jaded. Why, why is this time different? It's a great other question. Than the, and I know the legislation, the stick is coming, but anything yeah. else other that you, you point to? The stakes have never been higher and you're absolutely right. Um, the, 
Security and Exchange Commission, SEC, is certainly there in the second phase of rulemaking right now. I think that as you look at that, certainly the requirement that there's a mandate for regulatory reporting is certainly a stick, if you will. But as you look at, as Adam said, the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that come out of the real estate industry, what we're looking at is something that has been largely minimized or ignored by many organizations, but also from a standpoint of looking at being good corporate stewards. It's about reducing those greenhouse gas emissions. It's about becoming more accountable, more responsible, if you will, but also from a standpoint of doing the right thing that enables our planet to be a better place. And some people might say, well, that's kind of rainbows and, and pixie dust. I live in the shadow of, of Disney World in Florida, but it's a lot bigger than that. And I think as we look at the organizations coming together, Oscar's role is the convener, not the controller of the conversation, but right. to provide that platform for people like Adam and Hines and Brookfield and Blackstone and others to come together and say, we can fix this and to make it happen. And it's already been proven, I think, by the progress that's been made since September. Yep. Yeah. That's, I love to hear the momentum. So we unfortunately are out of time. I'm Adam, I'm going to give you the final thought on the importance of data standards. Pretend you're speaking to your peers and they're listening. Um, what do you tell them about data standards, Oscar, and then ultimately the environmental data standards project? I mean, data standards are, you know, the key to really making sure you have a consistent and scalable way to you know monitor and analyze and then ultimately uh, the goal is to be able to act upon you know some piece of business information right it is absolutely fundamental to the decision making process and so that's that's always how i explain it to to people yep yeah without without the data you're throwing darts exactly yeah all right well thank you so much lisa thank you for your 10 years at oscar and your continued devotion to the topic adam so good to see some youthful thank energy you added to the to the conversation with you and your 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 peers and uh, I'm really excited to see this continue and uh, we're excited to continue these conversations at realcom and ibcon in June so thank you Jim we look forward to seeing you at realcom same June. here it's good to see people again <laughs> <laughs> thanks Jim all right have a great day be well bye for now uh, all right with that we're gonna go on to our my favorite uh, one of my favorite parts of the show is the news uh, weekly news brief and uh, Howard's been replaced this week by Lisa and uh, Lisa's always uh, um, welcome to join in and she like loves doing it I think right Lisa um, yeah yeah big she she's she has, with Howard but you know yeah it's fun yeah exactly yeah, he does such a great job but so yeah. do you so let me get out of your way and you can bring up the stories for the week and uh, tell us what's happened in the world of prop tech. Sounds good. Thank you, Jim. In the news this week, $49 billion in venture capital was invested in AI in 2022, up 40% from 2021, ushering in what experts in the industry say is the golden age of AI. The big question is what role AI will play in real estate. And our feature article this week dives into detail about the opportunity that AI represents and also how prop tech companies can maximize their advantage. 
There are several different subsectors in the real estate tech market where AI can make a significant impact. Some of these are primarily in the residential sector, but could cross over to the commercial sector as well. Um, some of these subgroups are, are residential search and listings sector, uh, real estate brokerages, mortgage marketplaces and underwriting, renters and homeowners insurance. The insurance industry is a $125 billion market. AI could completely automate that insurance layer. Another um, uh, subsector is construction estimation bids and materials. According to some estimates, the world is going to add 2 trillion square feet of real estate by 2060. So the amount of data the construction industry will generate is huge. The last one is sustainable construction. Since there's only so much we can do with existing real estate, layering AI into an architect's workflow could, to, could determine emissions outcomes early when recommendations could be made to triage cost, zoning, and sustainability. The article argues that startups are actually better positioned to utilize AI technology than legacy technology companies because due to unfavorable market conditions, the last few years in layoffs and challenging issues, existing companies are playing more defense to preserve their core offering and not really able to embrace AI as strongly because they're trying to integrate into an existing product mix. This creates a pretty exciting window for startups to build ground up applications for real estate with AI at its core. The technology is not perfect, according to the article, but is growing at a breakneck speed. Our second article was provided by our technology partner, Clockworks Analytics. This article explores fault detection and diagnostics technology and how because one, buildings are aging and two, HVA systems represent a large amount of energy use, fault detection and diagnostics analytics play a critical role in the strategy to meet sustainability commitments. It points to several high profile case studies like the US Department of Energy's four year smart energy analytics campaign and also to healthcare provider Kaiser Permanente, who in order to achieve aggressive goals for carbon neutrality looked to reduce facility energy use by implementing data analytics. These are organizations that had aggressive goals for carbon neutrality and looked to reduce facility energy use by implementing FDD tools, and they saw incredible savings. So take the time to read this article. Finally, our last article spotlight is about 3D printed factory built homes. A California-based 3D printing construction tech company called Mighty Buildings is planning to build communities of sustainable, net-zero, 3D-printed houses fabricated in micro-factories that can be spun up virtually anywhere in a matter of months. Mighty Buildings says its homes require a fraction of the skilled labor used in traditional construction, are up to three times faster to complete, and are made to withstand hurricanes, earthquakes, mold, mildew, and insects. They're made with recycled materials, produce almost no waste, and can come equipped with solar panels and storage for zero net energy consumption. The price is about 20% lower than a comparable cinder block constructed home as well. Also in the news this week, there are a couple of noteworthy announcements. Heinz launches a new ESG-centered business unit for their new projects. Visit, the world's first proactive building operations system, signs an agreement with Car Properties to implement its AI-driven operation platform across their entire portfolio. And finally, Scott Cochran, president, of CEO, president and CEO of Cochran Supply, is appointed to the CABA Board of Directors. So we want to say congratulations to Scott. There are just a few other articles that I didn't have time to mention, so take a look in your inbox um, for our weekly briefing newsletter, or just go to our website and click on the news link. I don't know. I think Howard's getting nervous. You're nipping at his heels. <laughs> <laughs>
As always, you do a phenomenal job. Um, well, the funny thing is on, on that Heinz article directly related to today's conversation. Uh, actually, we discussed it a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, the AI topic going to be big, big topic, Realcom, IBCon, not just, oh, AI is cool. We're going to be digging into the case studies, the truths, the realities, the, the, the hype, trying to really hone in on where this is going. Um, and, and again, it's going to be a major topic. So great job honing in on those relevant stories and making it easy for our, our viewers to, uh, to get to the bottom line. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Have a great weekend. Thanks. All right. All right. So before we close the show and talk about next week, let's hear from our final sponsor and I'll be right back. All right. Well, I want to say thank you to our guests and, and specifically to Lisa, who has been, like I said earlier, steadfast in her journey down the Oscar road. Not an easy one, not for the faint of heart. Uh, you don't change fundamentals and industries in big ways without persistence and hard work and a lot of determination. And Oscar as an organization has shown that and, and Lisa specifically uh, in that journey. Adam, just a great job with you know what you're doing within Oscar and what's going on at Heinz. Um, we need warriors like you and people are willing to, you know, the late nights rolling up your sleeves, figuring up the, figuring out the tough stuff, the not sexy stuff, the, just the, the block and tackle. But without that stuff, without that foundation, no walls are going to be built. Uh, of course, all of our sponsors uh, and then uh, our team who every week uh, works hard to put on this great episode or this great uh, series. So with that, next week, um, you talk about another crazy, crazy, crazy important topic. Uh, so important that it's going to have its own forum uh, in our pre-conference day, and that's on the topic of in-building wireless. So you talk Wi-Fi, you talk DAS, you talk CBRS, private networks, 5G. I call it the alphabet soup of wireless technologies. And really what everybody wants is one network, right? So you can put that network in and Give your tenants cell phone coverage. Give your tenants uh, you know, data communications, Wi-Fi. Give your tenants uh, the ability to make phone calls. Give, give, uh, connect the building systems, the, all the building automation, the IoT, the building IoT. So it's a huge topic. And boy, do we have a group of people that are, are world class. You won't find this, this kind of expertise in one place very often. Uh, and we are going to be bringing on Elon Zakar, Nick Stella, Mike Osman, John Doolin, John Morris, and Jim Whalen. Uh, who are some of the best domain experts on this topic in the world to talk about in building wireless as future, which will be leading up to very deep conversations we're going to be having at the conference. So with that, thank you very much. I hope everybody has a great day, great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday on Realcom Live. Be well.